This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, we welcome the dynamic father and son duo of Olympic weightlifting, coaches Mike and Bo Bergener. When you hear the name Bergener, your mind probably refers to two things, the Bergener Snatch Warm-Up and, of course, CrossFit Weightlifting, the international specialty seminar for coaches and athletes looking to enhance their understanding of the snatch and clean and jerk. But what you might not know is that this family has been steeped in the sport for decades. Even their home in San Diego is also the site of Mike's Gym, a mecca for Olympic lifters. Athletes come far and wide to drop in for this unique coaching experience in the two-car garage of Chateau de Bergner. In this episode, you'll get a breakdown of the CrossFit Weightlifting Seminar, as well as Mike and Bo's expectations of attendees. Furthermore, we'll hear how their ideas of how to perfect the sport have evolved over time, even some philosophies that have changed as a result of training with John. Also, here are some of the biggest coaching flaws when instructing the snatch and clean and jerk. Mike, a former Marine, says he'll run his groups like a drill sergeant. Having been coached by both he and Bo, I can attest to not only their commanding demeanor, but their expectation of excellence. Effort is always assumed, of course, but you just can't help but want to impress them when you're training with them. This is episode 115. What's happening, Power Athlete Nation? Welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. This is Denny. I'm here with Tex, Luke, Callie, John, and Bobby. And today our guests are Bo Bergner and his father, Mike Bergner. How you doing, gentlemen? Thanks for taking the time to join us. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. I got to admit, I'm a little nervous on this one. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Um, maybe we could just kind of, I mean, usually the way the show goes, we kind of like, okay, if you could tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, I don't think we need to do that with you guys. If, uh, if our listeners don't know who you are, uh, we, we have some problems. (laughs) So maybe we can just kind of, you could just kind of give us a little like brief summary of what like a CrossFit weightlifting seminar kind of kind of begins with uh and what i mean by that is like the crossfit football one uh is very kind of performance oriented um purposeful movement orthopedically sound we try to uh emphasize posture and position so when it comes down to like movement execution i'm sure that uh you take a specific approach to that as well and uh, maybe we can just kind of start with a little bit about uh, what you like to reinforce. Yeah. That, or, or Coach B. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start it out. You know, the, the uh, weightlifting seminar has uh, goals and objectives. And the goal of our class is to teach coaches and trainers, you know, uh, how to teach safely, efficiently, and effectively the snatch, the clean, and the jerk. 
and you know we try to do it with uh, the fundamentals of teaching which are what we call the stance the grip and the positions and then we break it down into drills and the real thing we try to emphasize is that we want to simplify the simple and uh, in you know it's very detail oriented and we break it down from top to bottom and then we build it back up again yeah we talked a little bit before the show about um you know, one of the things that we do as coaches at these specialty seminars is try to make the the information accessible to the coaches in a way that they can implement, like, as soon as they leave. And so it's one thing to just flood them with information or coaching cues or, you know, progressions, but if they, if they can't, you know, put it all together and they can't coach it, then, you know, it's really, it's kind of a, a waste of time and it's just like sort of a, more of like a coach's clinic type thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the one of the things we do is we take different breakout sessions and we start at the very basics which are the fundamentals and that's going to be the stance grip and position and then everything that we do for the remainder of the course is going to progress from there we're taking the complex movements of a snatch and cleaning jerk and then simplifying it into different drills that are not only easily performed but they're also easily coachable and you know our mindset is how are we going to expect you to perform a snatch or a cleaning jerk if you can't do the simple drills that make up the snatch and the cleaning jerk you know spot on so the way that you know i like to break my courses down is each breakout you know we'll have an instruct an instructional piece and then a performance piece a coaching piece and then we'll end it all up with the review so that way they're getting educated they get to go through it themselves then they have a chance to coach it you know get the cobwebs out then we bring them all in, we hit some review points, any points that I you know, need to address walking around, and then we move on. Yeah, do you, uh, Coach, Coach B, do you find that people are reluctant to coach each other at the seminars? You know, I, in, in my seminars, you know, they, they know what the goals and objectives are. You know, we teach that whole part, whole thing, and, and we do a, a video and showing, you know, my daughter-in-law, Natalie Wolfolk-Bergner, we show her performing a snatch, and we talk about, you know, what that person is seeing, and then we say that you are here for coaching. That's our goal. Our goal is to have you coach somebody else, and we give them the breakout session scenario, like Boa just said, and, uh, you know, most of the people that are, that are there, they know that through uh, what is put on the CrossFit website, what the goals and objectives are. And uh, they're more than happy to, uh, you know, try to develop that coaching eye to, you know, to be able to take it back to their box and work it out. Coach, you know, when, uh, when you have somebody at the seminar and you notice that they're going to, uh, they tend to overcoach the lifts or they're throwing out too many cues for their lifter, what are, what are some of the things that you would say to a person, um, to a coach doing that? You know, it, 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 that happens all the time because a beginner wants to overcoach. It's, it's like that lecturer that comes up and he's got a 30-minute lecture going on and it takes him 10 minutes to, to, to get it over with because he's so nervous. And so my, my one comment to them is that the less a coach says, the better off you are. So, and, and, we, and we get them to look at the lifter and when they're doing the movement from either the three-quarter side in front, the half side right right beside them, you know, side by side, and then a three-quarter place in the back, and we show them what to look for. 
and to just give one-word cues. A one-word cue or a, a three-word cue is much better than two or three sentences. And they and they they handle that pretty well. What's a just out of curiosity? What's the demographic breakdown? Do you guys get um, so in terms of uh, attendees? Do you get mostly CrossFit athletes, CrossFit coaches? Do you guys ever get someone who is not a CrossFitter come to your seminar? Which we which we occasionally get, and we look at them as like you know like a diamond in the rough almost because they've never really been coached on these things, and so it's it's sort of like a blank slate. So what do you what are the types of athletes that come to your seminar? Well, the, the, the people that come to our seminar, 90% of them are CrossFit coaches. And, you know, the other demographics would be you have a CrossFit athlete that wants to perfect his technique. Maybe there's not a CrossFit coach in his area, so he wants to learn the fundamentals of, of what the lifts are all about, which, which is interesting because our, our program is exactly the same way I've coached a couple of Olympians. We just simplify it down to the CrossFit coach that's going to be coaching that beginning client that he has. But to take a normal weightlifter that is, is not involved in CrossFit, we get very few of those type of athletes. But uh, we're thinking in the future that that may, be, that may be blase and that we are going to get those athletes that aren't CrossFitters that want that coaching eye developed and that coaching information. Um, just a, a question for Bo. Do uh, you know who do you find to be the most coachable type of athlete versus uh, do you ever ever have someone come in sort of with an ego? I mean, I imagine at your your seminar they kind of get knocked down a peg or two. Um, but but in, in terms of like either gender or age, do you guys uh, you have people that are more coachable than others? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it kind of goes around with every course, but it'd be you know the female athletes for sure are the easily, you know, most easily, easily coachable because they have no egos whatsoever, and they're open. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think, yeah, for the most part, you know, you're kind of a anomaly on that one. But, uh, you know, so let's get, let's get a little, let's get a little crazier. Who, who, what are some horror stories of athletes that have attended your seminar? We don't have to use real names or locations, <laughs> you know, we'll keep it, keep it anonymous, but uh, do you have any horror stories? Yeah, I, I hate coaching John Wellborn. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. Because <laughs> he's a hack. That Wellborn so, uh, Well, you know what? Uh, the reason he doesn't like me is because um, he overcoaches. Yeah. <laughs> Coach Pete will throw out 470 different – or 475 different cues in under six seconds. No, you know, he won't. Yeah, oh, he does. You should hear him. He's a terrible overcoacher, and he just doesn't like, uh, you know, somebody that has a natural, clean pull like mine. I mean – you know, natural – what is it? Natural what? Natural, uh, natural pull. <laughs> and and the other thing is, I can teach Coach B and Bo's entire seminar with just one coaching cue. <laughs> finish, finish your poll. Oh my gosh! Finish your poll. You guys you knew got. that it was gonna it was gonna turn into this, right? Just a complete shit talking fest. <laughs> it's yeah. not my fault that they're both five foot seven. <laughs> my God. But but in a but in a serious way, I mean, Bo, have you ever had someone where you like, I this this is a disaster, this is a train wreck, or uh, anybody ever walk out on your seminar? Uh, no, we've never had anyone walk out on a seminar. You know, I think the biggest train wreck is you know the the average CrossFit athlete walking in who can snatch 100 kilos and thinks that's a really good snatch and whatever 
whatever country they're in and are walking around like they, you know, have the biggest, biggest lift in a course that's meant to be taught to coaches. And, um, you know, just how you deal with one of those is really by just doing your job, you know, still coaching them. And the way that we coach, you might, you know, up your game a little bit with the cues that you're giving them. They're going to be a little bit more simplistic than, than all the information you give the other athletes. But, mm-hmm. you know, all, all the evaluations that we get are, you know, are spot on and, and how we're coaching. And, you know, it's, you know, it, it is a tough one, but at the same time, you know, what are you going to do? I'm not going to change my coaching style for, you know, one, one bad apple versus, you know, the 99 other people that are there to, you know, learn, learn the way we're coaching. So you know, yeah, we, we ask Bo because uh, we attract some individuals from like the, the high school or collegiate strength and conditioning profession. And uh, just the nature and of that profession is very ego driven. So I know uh, Callie and I have been on a seminar or two where we've had to like flip the script, do a good cop, bad cop routine, coddle, then break down, then coddle <laughs> just to get this guy to like, or person. It could have been a girl. Uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't, for the record. But I had to get to get them to like open up and be receptive to the information. And what's so amazing is like, uh, you know, time is money, and money is money. People are are sacrificing weekends and time away from their family to come out to these things. And uh, it, it's funny how at least it's kind of the worst of the worst in, in terms of our scenario. People just like totally shut off and disregard all the information that we're putting out there. Yeah. yeah. And part of it too, to, and to add context, Bo, is that, um, you know, when you're in, when you're in the contact sport world, which, uh, these particular individuals were, they, they have very little interaction with female coaches. And I mean, I, and I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but that is ultimately what it came down to in, in this one scenario. And, uh, you know, so that's when we butt heads with people, it's usually not over any of the content or anything like that. It's just, uh, it's just the delivery, I guess, of the information or the way you say it or who's saying it. But, um, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what, uh, Kelly, not, not to cut you off, but, uh, sure. early in the day when we first started these seminars and, um, you know, it's, it's hilarious that we've been doing our seminar for as long as we have. And coach V's been doing it for many, many years longer than we have. But I think early on in the seminar, people came to almost, uh, check you out a little bit or more importantly try to check you and to kind of compare and I think early on uh, we used to have people challenge us a little bit and we got to the attitude where uh, you know our information not only needs to be the best information we need to be able to convey it the fastest and if you're going to try to challenge us you better you know not come with some bullshit because we'll stomp you out real fast and I think that attitude has been very uh, you know has has been good and now here we are a bunch of years later uh, we don't really get that but I always wonder if uh, when Coach B started teaching this I mean he taught USAW seminars and has taught seminars for a long long time and being a school teacher since uh, Little House on the Prairie was uh, <laughs> was was uh, you know regularly running on the black and white TV uh, you know I wonder if early on did you guys have some battles, Coach B, where people came to it and they were like, you know, we're all about, you know, this type of poll and you guys are teaching this. And, I mean, I'm sure you still get a little bit of that, but did you get any fight back early on? No, you know, it's amazing because when, you know, when we started doing the CrossFit stuff, the CrossFitter would come in and they were hungry for information. Uh, you know, and, and I could have told them to do the the – you know, swing, throw it up, and catch it in the air type situation, and they would have believed it. Um, as the information gets out there a little bit more, and, and USA Weightlifting has increased their membership from 
three three thousand to fifteen thousand, you know, there's more coaches and more people out there that are teaching the Olympic lifts, and uh, uh, you know, there might be some more disparity now than there was in the beginning. And you know, and 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 our our simple thing is is that you know what, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, and uh, uh, this is just our way. We found success with this way. We believe in this way. But you know what? There's there's other methods. There's a catapult method. There's the bang and go method. There's this method, because we're an individual sport. We're not that team sport orientation where you're working with 60 guys, you know, at one time like a football player does. So um, our evaluations have been you know through the roof good. But when we do get a poor evaluation, it's generally because the guy didn't get a T-shirt. Huh. Not, not because of the information that's been out there. Yeah, we hear that. We hear that all the time too. Yeah, we want free T-shirts. Very frequently, very frequently. Well, um, in terms of uh, you guys breaking down the movements and and sort of doing assessments with athletes, uh, what are some of the limiting factors mechanically that you see, you know, inhibiting people's ability to pull well, to receive well? I mean, these are sort of cliche questions, but. Um, you know, it's always good to hear a, a more professional take take on these questions. Well, let me let me start out, and then I'll let Bo do this. But uh, we do this. The fundamentals of teaching are stance, grip, and positions. Of course, the, and the stance and the grip are going to be individually oriented anyway. And we use a lot of eyeball methods. You know, putting the person into the proper position. But the positions are ongoing. You know, through the snatch, you know, you got the, the liftoff from the floor to the first pull, then the first pull to the second pull, and then the, then the second pull to the third pull, and then you finally, you know, have the bar overhead or not. But, you know, the, the limiting factor, what, what we say is, is that in this order, you have to have mobility, speed, and strength. And the mobility is the absolute uh, thing that you have to have. You've got to continue to work on on a on a on a basis that's every day get yourself in that mobility unless you're just gifted you know and then uh, Bo go ahead yeah and you know kind of just piggybacking on that the the mobility is you know the main aspect is going to be your receiving position whether it be a snatch or a clean and having a usable bottom position and you know we're going to define usable as being a position that you're comfortable flexible and strong and if we can get that bottom position usable then that's going to carry over you know, night and day to you wanting to receive heavy weight in that position. If you're not comfortable in that position, then there's no way in hell you're going to go there when the weight starts to get heavy. And that's the exact reason why you see people power snatching more than they snatch or power clean more than they clean, just because they haven't spent time there. You know, yeah. and then, and then going on the speed aspect, if I could say there's one trick in Olympic lifting, is learning how to combine the extension with the flexion and not you know, sacrificing one for the other. You know, the extension is gonna create the speed through the middle on the barbell, and then the flexion underneath it is gonna be that speed underneath the barbell. And um, you know, learning to pick that up and learning how to pull yourself underneath the barbell into a position with speed and intensity is really something that's gonna be more mental than anything else. Once you are prepped and primed to, to go there with the mobility. Sure, sure. You know, I've always uh, struggled with the front rack position mainly because my biceps are too big. I don't know oh. if you guys if you run into that problem frequently, but uh, it's all the, the time. It's a cross. Bo never has. Bo never has. Same problem. Bo never has. Problem. Coach B might have at one point, but Bo never has. <laughs> you ever seen how skinny Bo Bergner's arms are? 
Oh my God! That's actually um, a compliment, John. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, the, the the poor guy. It's a it's a perfect match circumference from his wrist all the way up to his shoulder. It looks like a tube. <laughs> oh my God! That doesn't seem that doesn't Ouch. seem true. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> no one's gonna you ever want to be a guest on this. Well, the the best thing Bo Bergner ever did was come hang out with us. You know why? Because he got stronger and better looking. <laughs> I absolutely agree 100% with that one. <laughs> and I wouldn't have agreed, you know, three years or four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that, man. I'll give you that. I hit my uh, last snatch PR after not snatching for eight weeks after the um, conjugate method we did. Yeah. Our, uh, our crazy-ass fucking power athlete influence fucking uh, craziness. Uh, you, you guys don't know that there, when we were testing a lot of the stuff you see on Power Athlete, uh, it was Bo Bergner and I doing it because the only pr two people I know that could mentally, emotionally, and physically handle all this crazy shit was Bo and I. Everybody else shattered into a million pieces and wouldn't show Weren't up. Weren't you guys yeah, cy so did... cycling steroids, though? Oh! Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we were actually just uh, having a Russian guy come over and spit in our mouths, so it, it worked the same way. <laughs> God. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, Wellborn at that time was, you know, we don't uh, we don't measure we pour. <laughs> oh my god! Nice. True. I mean, dude, there was uh, I I'd come up with this stuff and like uh, I'd be like, hey, this is what we're gonna do tomorrow, and nobody would show up but Bo. And it wasn't <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll tell you, it was because Bo didn't have anywhere else to go. I used to call him like the uh, what was it uh, uh fucking um uh, what was the movie where it's like I got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Uh, officer and a gentleman. It, it was Bo Bergner, Officer and a gentleman. I got nowhere else to go. Did you scoop? Did you scoop him up like Officer and a gentleman and like carry him out of the factory? <laughs> of course. Well, uh, actually, we were just. Who was that? That wasn't City Portier. That was. Uh, who was the black Lou guy Gossett from? Uh, Lou Gossett Jr. Yeah, dude. So yeah, Bo was actually Lou Gossett Jr. And um, I don't know who I was, but it was kind of weird. He was doing a dual role at that point, but. Uh, well, no, we, no, honestly, Bo, Bo, was, uh, Bo is probably one of the best training partners you could ever hope for because he is fucking harder than any human being I've ever met because it's impossible to hurt him. And there was never anything where he's like, oh, you know, like, what do you think, like 100 reps at like 98% of your 1RM? We're like, yeah, no problem. How many hours do we have? Seven. Good. Let's go. Can we get a drink somewhere? At, you know, is there water in this or can I get a food? All right, we're in. I mean... Coach, remember you sent us over that uh, that small off stuff? I remember looking at it and being like, "Fuck!" So I was like, "Oh, well, I mean, what? what I mean, what are we not gonna do it?" I'm like, "Let's go." So he was good, and then the best is Nate and Ben and the other guys just wouldn't show up for days. And uh, so well, I'll definitely give Bo Bergner as the hardest training partner you'd ever want. Yeah, thanks, John. Appreciate that, man. Those are good times. Still, I uh, still think back about that all the time. Fun. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, it was good. That's adorable. Oh, usually, that, a sincere you, moment. Usually we wait till <laughs> at the end of the show to share our feelings, but it's coming a little John's, early. John's got a single tear falling <laughs> down his cheek, actually. Yeah, I, I did. I'm I'm sad. Let's uh let's just uh, wrap up kind of like the the discussion on the mechanics because uh I think it's pretty pretty keen what you said about um combining extension with flexion, which is something that I see people sort of um struggling with very frequently and I always try to remind athletes that with as much power as you create to get full extension you have to then reverse that power really quickly um, and get into a nice solid receiving position which I think is just one of those things that once once people start to put the pieces together that's like that's one of the last components in terms of just I don't know does that seem like a decent cue coming from two very professional uh, o-lifting coaches 
Well, for on my on my take on that kind of stuff is you know you, you have your terminology that you use to try to get the athlete to you know to perform the movements that you want them to perform. What's really interesting is is that I'm really a, a visual learner and a, and more of a visual coach uh, than anything else. So I'll bring up video, I'll bring up uh, you know posters, I'll bring up sequences of lifts to try to explain what the athlete is going to do. Uh, to me. It's, it's that athlete that gets to that, that extension and, and can immediately transition and make, pull in his moving or sliding his feet out to that receiving position and learning to pull as his feet, pull himself down and around the bar as his feet are moving, that gives him the speed. Now that is that, that extension and flexion, that is that pattern. Um, some people don't even understand extension and flexion, but you can you can show them on video or you can show them on posters and they get a better idea. And our concept of speed is if you don't move your feet from, you know, from that really powerful jumping position, as we call it, and receiving it out in that landing position, that you're not going to be able to generate that speed with heavy, heavy weight. You know, because we say, how can you pull a barbell up when you're off the ground? When those feet are sliding, you're really off the ground for a millisecond, but you can't pull that barbell up, but that slingshots your bar down underneath the bar. Yeah, I mean, that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, and I think this is a good kind of way to segue to to delineating, like, foot position, which we we have obviously a big emphasis on toes forward. That's kind of our sport transfer to change a direction. That's the reason we kind of advocate that. I mean, we like to utilize um, the Olympic lifts for power and, uh, you know, creating power on that vertical plane or vertical vector uh, as it transfers to acceleration and all sorts of other things. But then we also just try to build in skill and movement patterning with the foot placement. So that's, that's why we lean on that. And one thing that you guys said that I really liked about, um, you know, an athlete sort of naturally going where their feet or body allows them to move well, um, as a coach, you know, when we look at certain things, first you have to ask yourself, okay, like what is this athlete training for? And the second thing is, okay, now depending on where their body positioning is, I'm less concerned about the starting position and I'm more concerned about the mechanics that happen thereafter, right? So, so whatever position allows them to move um, the sexiest and move it, the, the safest and the most efficient, that's going to be kind of the position that we want to utilize. And I'm sure that, um, or I hope that maybe your stance is, is similar. Is that kind of, kind of your position in terms of, you know, setup and that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, okay, uh, Wait, 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 hold, hold on. I was, I was just going to tell you this is a little backstory. Uh, actually, it was when I first started the seminar, uh, I hit up Coach B and we were talking about different power movements. And he's like, I don't know why you would have, you know, football players or people that are playing sports really do fair, full variances of the lifts. He's like, you know, there's a lot of benefits, but at the end of the day, it's a longer pull. And you guys have heard me say that. And uh, he's like, you know, nobody ever misses full extension with a power movement. And some of those early conversations that I had with Coach B really shaped what we did. And, um, you know, and I know uh, his son, um, who is the baseball player, who I'm forgetting his name right now, followed CrossFit football for a short time and uh, was always a, you know, a big uh, 
you know, thought that it would add great carryover to what they were doing. So, uh, you know, Coach B having not only taught school but coached and played football and all that, I mean, understands this thing from both sides as an athlete, having trained athletes, and then also working as an Olympic lifting coach. So, I mean, uh, his, you know, so I'm just going to preface with that. Go. Well, you know, for me, that that uh, the power position, you, know, you have to take a look at who you're coaching, and you got to take a look at, you know, the sports that you're coaching in. Um, if I have a guy that can power snatch more than he can snatch, and he's a weightlifter, um, for me that's a mortal sin. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this guy into the as long as he can do uh, he's got the movement and the flexibility and the mobility to hit an overhead squat the right way, then and he's still power snatching more than he can snatch. I'm not gonna let him power snatch. I'm gonna have that kid do uh you know full snatches because i can always power snatch i can always the snatch pull the power snatch and the snatch are exactly the same in my opinion what ends up happening is the snatch is just simply a missed power snatch so you know i'm gonna if i'm taking a football player and he's got all those other skills that he's got to work on then it might be a different situation you know i mean force times distance over time is exactly what power is and you know you gotta you gotta take a look at the athlete. You gotta take a look at the mobility of the athlete. You gotta take a look at the speed and the amount of people you're working with at one time. You know, so for me as a weightlifting coach dealing with only the weightlifter, I want that athlete to do full snatches all the time. As a as a coach that is involved with 60 athletes, you know, in a football team, then I would like to have them do full snatches, but it's, I'm not going to be as as hard on them to do a full snatch as a power snatch if that's what they're capable of doing to generate that power but i want them snatching and i want them clean and jerking yeah i mean that makes that makes sense for sure um and you know just to kind of lead into one of our next topics uh do you guys think that in terms of the the extension or the pull that it's athlete specific i mean we hear a lot of things coming out of uh, olympic lifting and and we you know, like sexy kind of terms like, uh, you know, the catapult method and triple triple extension is, of course, uh, you know, one of the most preferred methods. Do you guys have uh, an opinion on these different lifting techniques? Yeah, you know, I think it's important to realize that, you know, the goal of a snatch or a clean is to take the barbell from ground to overhead, you know, as technically efficient as possible. And, you know, when it's all said and done, there really is no differences in technique and snatches all around the world or cleans, the only difference is the style. And what you need to do is find the style that allows you to be most technically efficient when lifting the barbell. So, you know, and you know, using the catapult method, which is, you know, so commonly misconstrued than any other term that we hear is, um, it's really something that's just an argument between who's coaching you. You know, they're all, we're all, no matter what coach you are, where you are, it's all about doing you know, the same thing, lifting the most weight overhead, and you might have different cues you're throwing out, but if you look at, you know, pictures or videos, you know, more or less, it's all the exact same technique. It's just going to, you know, be dependent and vary on who's giving you cues and feedback on a daily basis. Yeah, one of, one of the things I'm going to add on to that is that early on when, when I was, you know, a, a school teacher, you know, I, I would talk about triple extension. I would talk about finish. And I, I remember, and I always tell this story at my courses, that I had a 15-year-old come up to me 
and she said to me, Coach, you're really confusing me by saying ankle, knee, and hip extension. Why don't you just say jump? And, you know, and, and I thought, jump, the problem with jumping is that the kids are going to think, how high am I going to jump? Am I going to stuff the basketball? But the idea is creating that double knee bend is what it is. That's all a jump is. And when you break down the catapult method and you break down the Russian-Polish method from the ground to that launch position or the hang position to that hip position is, I mean, I've done it frame by frame and it all looks the same, you know, 85% of the time. From that position, then if you're catapulting it, you're going to end up swinging it a little bit more where the Russian method, we're going to keep it a little bit closer to the body. So, you know, the bottom line is, is that you want to be able to coach the method that you believe in, but understand that if an athlete is going to bang the bar off the hips and he's still snatching 300 pounds, you keep your mouth shut. You know, you don't, uh, you know, I, I would never try to change Rich Froning's technique in the snatch. Right. I think that's that's such a good point because it's, uh, like you said early on, it's, it's about triaging the movement. And, you know, really the people who are nerdy and get wrapped around the axle with this stuff are probably, they don't have any business really um, getting into the technicalities of either the second pole or whatever. You know, I mean, they're, they really probably have uh, quite a bit more strength to gain and uh, more coordination. Um, and so I think that that's, that's kind of like, down the line of maybe your your training maturity, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that, you know, with there being so much information out there nowadays and, you know, being 20 different courses in Olympic lifting that you can take, you know, people are just kind of information overload. You know, they're going to one course and, you know, they're being taught from scratch how to do the Chinese-style lifting, and then two weeks later they're going to, you know, Penlay course, and two weeks later, you know, they're going to the USA weightlifting course, and then, you know, wrap up that month, you know, they're coming out to our course, and, um, you know, I think that, you know, I wouldn't say there's such thing as, you know, overlearning, but I think the important concept that to remember is it's all about experience and evidence-based learning, you know, taking what you've learned, applying it, and seeing what works for you, seeing what works for your athletes, and, and trusting the system, you know, um, don't be a program hopper. Don't be a technique hopper. You know, try something out. Spend a year or two years on it. If it's not working, hey, then change it up. But if you're trying to change up your technique every month or, you know, same thing with your athletes. If you're trying to coach them with different cues, you know, every month after you go to a course, it's going to do nothing but confuse them. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing that we sort of run into is uh, along the same lines is, um, you know, this is a question that I'm sure you guys get occasionally, which is what's the accessory work? And there's, we, we know as coaches that there is really viable accessory work to the programs that we're providing or, uh, you know, the progressions that we put out there or the techniques or whatever. There are great um, accessory components. And do you guys deal with that? And if so, what's your response and, you know, like real answers for like real people who are that far along in O-lifting? Well, the, the thing that, that the, and this is what we do at our course, the burden of warm-up and the skill transfer exercises for the snatch basically are 10 exercises. And they're 10 drills that if you do that movement pattern every single day and you focus on the purpose of that exercise, like for the down and finish, uh, the down and finish, the, the purpose of that is creating speed through the middle. And when we say and we teach the down and finish and we demonstrate the down and finish, the athlete that's demonstrating the down and finish 
I will cue down and finish, and the athlete will say, speed through the middle. And that's and, and we found that when we make that athlete yell out the purpose of that drill, then they are much better at focusing on the movement pattern itself. And we find that the 10 exercises that they do daily, even with the PVC pipe, they can, they can get the movement patterns down. And then when they go to a barbell and they're missing something like the down and finish, creating speed through the middle, they're, they're not accelerating the bar. I can take that athlete out, put him over here on a lighter bar and work that movement pattern and then bring him back into the group to create and focus that speed through the middle. Yeah. And then, and then kind of, Piggybacking on that, as you kind of said with the advanced athlete, I would say the most neglected part is the posterior chain. Right. And most accessory exercising that we're going to do with a, you know, with you know myself and advanced athletes is going to deal with, you know, developing a strong back. Strong back, strong hamstrings, you know, heavy reverse hypers are, you know, my absolute go-to, my favorite, you know, heavy good mornings. You know, the Russian lifters back in the day could good morning what they could wonder at max clean. If you think about, you know, if you think about that, you know, if you put, you know, your numbers in your head, if you're a good morning, 200 kilos, it's pretty, um, that's fucking unreal. Pretty self-explanatory that, you know, it's going to feel like you don't need a bunch of other, you, know, you don't need a million different exercises. You need to work on what's effective and that's having strong legs, strong back and all, you know, good things happen from that. And if you look at a lot of the successful coaches, that's what they believe in. You know, when we're, raised up training every every training session we had back and abs and if you look at you know west side barbell they might have like a one one movement they're focusing on, on that day but then the rest of the two-hour training session is all accessory work it doesn't have to be all pre-planned out it's just got to be you know just putting in the time and doing it yeah. yeah one one last point i want to make here and i and i hate doing this but it is it is the absolute truth before bo went up to john's place I would never, ever, ever allow any of my athletes to do the kind of work that John and, and Louis Simmons were, was doing. And it, it just didn't make any sense to me because I'm the guy that's going, if you want to get better in the snatch, you snatch. If you want to get better in the clean and jerk, you clean and jerk. And you get the leg strong and you get the back strong. And, and we had our ways of doing that. However, but when Bo went up to John and they, they put this, this conjugate method to work and Bo came back and he – greatly improved in becoming an Olympic lifter. You know, I went out to Casey Bergner, my, my son, who was, who did snatch 400 pounds and clean jerk close to 500 pounds. You know, that is the guy that uh, went out to Louis Simmons place and took that powerlifting certification. And uh, uh, he came back and he came back knowing that if he would have, if he would have done as a, a younger lifter, if he would have gone to John, or if he would have gone to, you know, to Louis as a younger lifter, he would have been a much better Olympic weightlifter because he knew the movement patterns, he knew he had the mobility, but it was hard for him to get the strength that he needed to be a, a an Olympian that was going to medal. Yeah, just developing that base level of strength, and and you know, it's it there there's some nuance there in prioritizing like when in your lifting career that that that's important and we always kind of say like during that sexual right after sexual maturation occurs when tes testosterone is really um you know at its at its heights then you can really utilize that and turn it around into some serious raw strength and coach b i really liked uh what you said about you know the way you kind of organize that group 
and had the athletes reiterate the purpose of um, you know whatever whatever drill you're asking them to do and they vocalize it so that they can then internalize it and I I think that most people who've been to your seminar can say that you have a really good commanding presence of a, of a group and uh, I know that uh, text does a lot a, a lot of work with teams and kind of developing that relationship with teams and and a presence with teams and you know text did you uh, did you want to touch on anything in terms of, of the the transfer from the seminar and uh, working with with a big group of athletes. So just to kind of get a good idea that people come to us to learn how to lead groups. If they're an individual that's got to command 30 to 50 high schoolers or kind of 30 collegiate athletes, they come to us for that help. And that's the only experience I really have as a coach is working in a team team environment. So my questions are athlete management from an individual sport like Olympic weightlifting. I know most of the time people joke about if you're uh, coaching an individual, you're more or less a therapist half the time. So I'm just curious about kind of your approach to an individual of keeping them receptive day in and day out, focus on the task at hand, and if there's any difference in commanding them for or preparing them for competition versus day in and day out training. Now that's a great question because every athlete is different. And before the show, I was talking a little bit about one of my athletes that uh, was a national champion was an absolute head case. And she was an individual. Um, if I yelled at her, she would break down. Um, if I was too nice to her, she would break down. And, you know, I had to learn to adapt my coaching methods to her. Not, you know, not uh, – um, I, I had to learn to be able to, at times, be more sympathetic to her and at times be a little bit harder, you know, with her. But the best job of coaching that I ever did was when she won a national championship. She was extremely nervous, extremely hyper, and I put a white towel over her head and made her listen to classical music. And then there's going to be an athlete like a Donnie Shankle, who's a former Marine. I'm a Marine. If I did that to him, he would be a roaring, just driving crazy. So I could, I could, I could take Donnie Shankle and yell at him and and really get into his face, and it would motivate him. So you got to you got to take a look at the athlete, and you got to be able to adjust your style to that athlete to give him the most success. I'm a marine. I'm hardcore. I'm going to own the group. My group is taught like a drill instructor. That's the way I do things. But within that group, there's going to be athletes that are intimidated by that, and you've got to back off that method. You've got to, and then there's going to be athletes that need that, and you've got to upgrade that method. So you, you just got to, you got to take your style of coaching, and, and you've got to adapt it to get the best out of the athlete or the team that you're coaching. Yeah, and you know, I, I think um, this kind of goes along with uh, your philosophies on training as well, not just communication with your athletes, but how you sort of conveyed that uh, when Bo went and trained with John, for instance, your evolution and your approach to incorporating new tools and, and maybe, you know, utilizing some more powerlifting type of, of uh, ways to get strong, that that, you know, evolved your perception of how you can train for this individual sport or it, train for um, Olympic lifting and you know I, I think that uh, you in all of your years experience I mean um, have seen a lot of changes in terms of just strength and conditioning in general 
um, you know, what are what are some of the biggest trends you've seen come and go, and what are the things that you know that maybe you used to utilize that don't you you maybe don't incorporate so much? Um, you know, what's what's that process been for you as an athlete, and then eventually as a coach? Well, you know, the the, the time that I started coaching or actually started lifting it was at Notre Dame. Um, you know, we did a clean and press. We did a we did a, uh, a, a you know a, a snatch, and then we did a clean and jerk. You know, and, and then you had the sets of five sets of five. You had the sets of the 20 rep squats. And, you know, you, you what you do, you evolutionize what's going to be best for, again, best for the athlete. You know, if I had the, if I had an ideal world and I had the strength of the athlete that I could, that I could coach, my basic philosophy would be the Bulgarian method. I would snatch, I would clean and jerk, I would front squat, and I would work on my weaknesses. That's what I would really like to do. But in all of my years of coaching since, you know, I mean, I've been in this sport for 50 years. In all of my years of coaching, I've never been able to do that, you know, the way that I'd want to do it. And at 69, you know, I've had to learn and I keep learning all the time. I mean, John's, John's situation was a perfect example. You know, I'm a guy that's structured in snatch, clean and jerk and, and front squat more than anything else, and that's what I want to do. But if I keep doing that and I neglect the the posterior chain, if I neglect back squats once in a while, if I neglect you know the weaknesses at certain positions, then I'm then I'm not doing my athletes the best that I can do for them. Yeah, and you know, Bo, I, I've got a question in terms of uh, you guys' home down in San Diego. How did uh, how did it become such a mecca, and how has that sort of changed over time? I mean, people come from essentially like far and wide to drop in. What is it like Wednesdays or something, and drop in and 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 get a little bit of the experience. How's that kind of come about? Yeah, you know, is um, Dad can give you a little bit more of the background. But that gym was put in there from before I remember. But you know, if I um, if I'm off base here is, you know, my dad was a school teacher and spending all his time at school and then coaching athletes after school, he wasn't able to see us as kids. So, you know, my mom being, you know, the great, great mom she is, was willing to put a gym in their garage. And what would happen is my dad would come home from school and we would have coaching or practice sessions, just like any other sport in our garage. And as little kids, that's what, you know, that's what we saw. People would come up to practice, or it's just Olympic lifting practice that took place at our house, and we wanted to be part of that. So we, you know, four or five years old, we'd run in, you know, do a couple lifts, and then go out by the pool and mess around for a little bit, come back and do the same thing. And then around, you know, eight or nine years old is really when we started to take a passion for the sport, just because it was what we were exposed to at a young age, and, you know, we wanted to be good at it. So, you know, man, at that time, my dad was still lifting. So, you know, throw us all in the back of the truck. We'd, you know, fly off to Venice Beach for the weekend or drive up to Venice Beach for the weekend and do our weightlifting contest. So, you know, we were, um, we were entering contests at four and five years old. Yeah. And to see, you know, how that developed. And for the next, you know, 15 years, I went into a, uh, you know, competitive, you know, competitive streak where, you know, went to national championships and won a national championship and, and the people that would be in our gym, you know, Monday through Thursday and Saturday morning was was really a core group, you know, five or six guys that would be in there and ladies. And then there'd be the, you know, 20, 25 people that would come in and out throughout the remainder of the year. 
but the um, but the Saturday training sessions were always the big one, and those Saturday training sessions have now transitioned into Wednesday training sessions because we're you know teaching the courses on the weekend. So you know um, you know kind of where it's at now is that you know Wednesday is a uh, as long as we're in town, Wednesday is an open gym up at Mike's gym. You can you, know, you come on up and it's and it's taught just like our Saturday sessions were taught back in the '90s, and it's you know just having fun, lifting weights, coaching each other, and um, you know having a good time. That's great. That's it's such a nice like. I mean, nothing really like can describe that camaraderie experience, and I'm sure it's just got like years and years of memories and you know lots of interesting people dropping in and out. And speaking of uh, you know the, the family element, um, Coach B, I know you were in Washington D.C. recently, and you ran into like on the street. Uh, was it on the street, Bobby? Yeah, so I was having coffee um, in District Donut. One of my friends owns a donut shop right across the street from Marine Barracks, Washington. And I was having a cup of coffee in there, and I saw Cody and uh, Coach B and his wife walking by, and I just popped my head out the door to say hello and ended up uh, having a good conversation. And I think uh, Coach B realized uh, when I had stopped and asked him how long they were going to be in town and if uh, he had some time on Friday night. I think I probably saw them around Thursday. Um, if they had some time on Friday night, if they wanted to attend uh, Sunset Parade, which is the Marine Corps Silent Drill Platoon, performs a Sunset Parade every Friday evening uh, during the summertime. And so, uh, you know, I knew that he was a Marine, and I knew that, uh, you know, he'd probably get some enjoyment out of it. And he had said that he had seen him in the past, but had never really seen him at the base. So uh, it was a cool opportunity. I have a really great friend who's a captain who just uh, had his change of command but was able to pull some strings, and uh, we made that happen. And I think... Uh, they had a fantastic time, which was great. And uh, Coach B sent me a really nice email afterwards, and uh, you know, it was a, it was a good experience. It was great to bump into people. The last time I had met Coach B was out at the games last year in California, so uh, it was good. It was a good time. Nice, Coach B. Did you like uh, the drill? Drill? Oh, are you kidding me? Marines uh, love that kind of stuff, and it just uh, basically gives you uh, goosebumps uh, uh, when you see that kind of discipline and the motivation and the command. Uh, the command presence of the, the Marines that were there and that were leading us into our seats. It was uh, deja vu from uh, 1970s, you know, when I was a Marine. So it was an outstanding and experience. We just, the whole family loved it. So I want to kind of lead to an, an inevitable part of the show that we like to talk about. And, uh, you know, we're always curious to see where people uh, derive their their motivation, their inspiration, whether it be for coaching or uh, lifting themselves or whatever. I know we asked you guys to provide a playlist. I'm not going to have you go through that, but I am curious if you guys have favorite movies or favorite uh, speeches or anything like that that kind of gets you going for whether it be a competition or, um, you know, motivation, inspiration type thing. So, Bo, take it away. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't say anything too much in particular, you know, as far as movies go, I'd say classics, favorites, you know, Top Gun, Fight Club, Snatch, Dumb and Dumber, kind of round out the top. Um, you know, I'm a, kind of hold a lot of stuff inside, just, you know, use my own, uh, use my own mental psyche and, and able to pump up, pump down whenever I need to and don't really rely on external factors in order that to happen too much, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say any any tricks or anything in particular. Yeah, for me, the I think one of the greatest movies that I've ever seen is uh, on any given Sunday. 
um, you know, in the speeches that are given there because truly uh, my motivation comes in that, that inch by inch, you know, type of uh, improvement. If you work inch by inch and you drill inch by inch and you get the positions inch by inch and you put them all together and then you're going to be able to have a, uh, a lift that's going to, you know, that's going to be just outstanding because certainly when the weight is light, uh, you know, you can lift a lot, lot of weight, but when the weight becomes heavy and your technique is awful, then you're going to miss the lift. So, you know, weightlifting like football, even like golf, is a game of inches. And uh, uh, any given Sunday is probably one of my favorite movies that depict that. And then, of then of course, Top Gun is uh, is one of the one of the things that I really like as well. So, I think I've seen Top Gun about 30 times. That is definitely a bit above average. That's great. Um, do you guys ever find that people, when they're they're trying to get in the competition mode, that they have a tendency, uh, or even when they come to your gym on like a Wednesday or something, they have a tendency to get like overly aroused? Do you guys have to like rein people in sometime um, and just kind of say, hey, I need you to calm down, like take nice long slow breaths? And um, I mean, we see we see that all the time, like people who are feel like they're true fire breathers, just don't know how to control themselves at that point. You know, it's, um, if you really want a good laugh, you go to a whale thing contest and you see the group of hooligans that all kind of come around and, and make up those contests. And, you know, you, you guys are around gyms every day and the, the, the people that you see walking in day in, day out is, you know, part of what makes our job so great is you never know what you're going to see. So, you know, people have little weird little twerks or weird little, you know, um, routines that they go through. And hell, man, you just kind of let them fly with it. And that's the cool thing about working in a gym is that you can really do whatever the hell you want and be as weird as you fucking want. And it's not going to be that big of an issue because um, everyone has their own little things that they do. So personally, no, I don't I let, I let them roll with it and kind of just use it as a good happen and see uh, see what happens yeah we I believe the same thing as long as it's not offensive or offending somebody you know and uh, uh, use the example of a guy back when I lifted by the name of Phil Grappaldi who would stalk the barbell back and forth stalk the barbell and uh, and he was very very successful then you take a look at uh, Ilya I mean Ilya chalks up he doesn't face the crowd when he chalks up he walks up to the barbell and he lifts it and then after the lifting, after he lifts it, then he celebrates. That's his style. So, you know, everybody has their own style of uh, motivation. And, uh, you know, but if you get somebody that's – I had an athlete that was an Olympian in 96, and he would come up to the gym, and my children were there, and he'd come up to the gym and drop F-bombs and, and uh, you know, that sort of thing. Well, I had to have a talk with him. And uh, – he ended up crying after my talk with him. So, you know, and that and that didn't that didn't happen again because I wasn't going to tolerate that kind of behavior in my gym when my kids are around. So, you know, you just you just play it out as a coach, and you know, you see what's going on in that environment at the time and how other people react to it, and you deal with it. So, I, I've got a question in line uh, with inspiration experience. Y'all been fortunate enough to travel the world to teach your seminar. I know, Bo, Luke and I took your advice to go shark diving when we were down in South Africa. I'm just curious about what's your favorite place that you've traveled to for the seminar. 
Well, for me, I, I think the, the, the best place that I would never not go back again is New Zealand. I like, uh, I like New Zealand. Uh, you fly into Auckland. Auckland's a nice city. You know, you go down to Wellington. That's the capital of New Zealand I love. But my absolute favorite place that I've ever been is, is uh, Queens, uh, Queenstown in, uh, in the South Island of, of New Zealand. It's just spectacular. Yeah, and I kind of kind of based my – I'm lucky enough to be able to schedule my own courses, and I really try to do that around places where I can go fast and have fun. And, you know, that's a, that's a tough one because I will dictate a you know, course on, you know, what I got to do around it. And kind of just example of this year, I've been able to, you know, surf in Australia, surf in Indonesia, got to mountain bike, you know, in, um, in Queenstown. I got to snowboard in the Alps, got to um, – basically do fun activities all over the world but kind of on par as beautiful places go I would say Banff and the Canadian Rockies are pretty far up there in the Whistler area. Callie and I are headed to New Zealand in uh, I believe October November so we'll definitely check out Auckland. When I when I me and Ben Oliver went to New Zealand it was like the week after Coach B had been there and we we hung out with Stevie Orr who uh, you know has gotten tied in with Coach B and Bo, and he was telling us about all the amazing stuff that Coach B did. And we we're like, uh, well, how do we do that? And he's like, you got to be Coach B. And we just weren't Coach B material. We ended up doing some of like the the river surfing and some of the canyoning. We we did some mountain biking and stuff. But uh, Coach B, I, I heard you had a great time out there. It it was truly spectacular. I mean, these guys were the greatest hosts that the that I could ever you know be blessed to have, and they. They took care of us, and uh, we went on. Uh, now, you know, they do. They used a lot of the barter system down there. So his clients worked at uh, travel agencies where they could get get us a helicopter ride up into a, a glacier. Uh, you know, they could, took us down to where uh, the Milford Sound, where you know, the, what's the movie uh, Lord of the Rings was filmed, and uh, uh, it was just it was just really spectacular, and I. That, that's my favorite place of all time. Well, I hope we get some of the same treatment when we go there. That sounds amazing. I can't wait. Um, so, guys, if there's, you know, any way that people, listeners, want to get in touch with you or want to, uh, I know you guys probably get bombarded by emails and things like that, but, you know, where can people go to learn more information uh, about the seminar um, or about, you know, uh, competitions? Yeah, you know, our, uh, we have a weightlifting, CrossFit weightlifting website. So it's just CrossFitWeightlifting.com. You know, we have a blog on there. Uh, we have, you know, workouts on there every day. My dad does a weightlifting workout. I put a CrossFit workout on there. You know, all that stuff is free, you know, free of charge. You know, our, um, our emails, you know, we just put them out there. It's, you know, Bo at CrossFitWeightlifting.com and, and then Mike at CrossFitWeightlifting.com. I prefer Mike Bergener at Mac.com is what I use. But one thing that I'll tell you, we answer all emails, and uh, uh, we may be slow because we're getting a lot of them, but we'll answer them all the time. Yeah, and uh, and then as far as, you know, Facebook goes, you know, CrossFit Weightlifting Trainers Course, you know, a girl by the name of Amy Taylor runs that, and I don't know where she gets half of the material that she gets, but it's all pretty good stuff, and she's pretty tied into the community and what's going on, and um, same thing with the Instagram, you know, it's all, all social media, all this, all the typical stuff is uh, good resources as far as 
not only information but resources about what's going on in the community and you know all around the world. Awesome, and this is actually going to come out next week during the games. So you know, are uh, are you going to have a spot at the games? Are you guys going to have like an, a a CrossFit weightlifting booth? Yeah, we will have a booth uh, similar to last year. We will be in the kind of SME section, so um, it'll be a good time. You know, we'll be um, we'll be doing the CrossFit experience just like we did last year. We'll have some scheduled times in where people can come in and get a little experience about what our course is all about, and you know. Uh, you know, my pops will be down there. I'll be down there. We'll have coaches from all around the world that will be coming in and, and uh, be there to help out. So it's going to be an amazing weekend, something that you know, we also open up our home, you know, for, um, for those training sessions on Wednesdays. And, you know, just yesterday we had people from, you know, all around the world, you know, Iceland, Norway, you know, um, coming up to train. And, you know, we always look forward to seeing what the weekends before and after the games, you know, what kind of crowd we get up here. Well, fantastic. Um, you know, I look forward to seeing you guys at the games. We'll make time to come up, say hello, and hopefully you guys can stop by the CrossFit football booth. I know we're going to have some fun shenanigans going on there. Um, but I do want to sincerely thank you guys for taking the time out of your day. I know that you guys are busy with seminars, running the site, dealing with uh, tons and tons, I'm, I'm sure, of athletes um, on a regular basis. So thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast. Cool. Now, thank you guys for having us. We appreciate it and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Awesome, guys. Well, I think that just about does it. Thank you uh, to everyone for being on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good one. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Bye. Bye. to empower your performance. Get your ass to a CrossFit weightlifting seminar. The schedule can be found at www.crossfitweightlifting.com or on the main site, of course. Be sure to also add them on Facebook for updates, educational information, and competition announcements. If you'd like to contact coaches Mike or Bo Bergener, email them at their respective first names at crossfitweightlifting.com. Stay tuned to next week when the crew is reunited to talk CrossFit Games predictions and fitness celebrity sightings. Until next time, bye!